He's Howard Ibach, a former copywriter and creative director and the author of two books on the creative brief. And he's Henry Gomez, an ad agency strategist with 27 years of experience. Together, we're the Brief Brothers. We love talking about creative briefs, briefing, and advertising. We're back with another episode, Henry. Today, we have a guy from Colorado named Jason Swank. He is a podcaster, the host of, according to his family, the number one digital agency podcast in the universe. He's going to tell us a little bit more about himself. He's a cool guy. He's doing some really interesting things. Let's join the conversation. So, Henry, we're back with another episode of The Brief Brothers. Today, we have with us Jason Swank. Jason is a man of many talents. He is living in Colorado. He runs a he owns and, and is the host of a podcast called the Smart Agency Masterclass that he's been doing, I think, now since what, 2014, 2015? A long time. A long time. And we're going to get into the details of that. So I just want to stop and say, Jason, welcome to the Brief Brothers. Henry and I are grateful that you could join us. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I was a guest on, on your podcast some time ago. It was a wonderful experience to talk to you. Let us get let me get a sense of what it is that you, you, you describe as the purpose, the, the vision of your podcast, Smart Agency Masterclass so that we can kind of use it as a jumping off point for our discussion. Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I started an agency in 99 by accident, like most agency owners were all accidental. We knew how to do something cool and someone would offer us money and, you know, like continue to kind of, you know, steamroll. Right. And then we kind of got overwhelmed. And, and so my whole goal was to create a resource I wish I had. And I wanted to hear what other agency owners were talking about. I wanted to connect agency owners so they didn't feel that they were alone. So I wanted to share real agency stories, real agency strategies, and, and real things that they can take away and go do. And so that's been the whole premise of the podcast or the agency mastery that we created. It's just connecting like-minded agency owners, showing them the systems or the strategies that they can build upon not just copy, right? Like I always hate when people like take this exact copy, like build upon it and then make it their own. And how did you, did you stumble across this? I'm guessing that you learned some valuable lessons in the process of running your agency for what is it, about 12, 13 years yeah. before you, before you leaped into this business of consulting and, and teaching and helping others. All my most successful businesses were by accident. Like I told you, like one of my best friends looked like Justin Timberlake back in the late nineties. And that's when I created a fake band, fake website called in shit, making fun of NSYNC. And then people asked me to design websites. Right. So, and that was a huge success because we were able to exit that business and, and sell it. And this business was the same. I had people reaching out to me after I sold and was like, Hey, how'd you work with clients like LegalZoom and Itachi? How'd you sell? How'd you have all these people? How'd you manage? How'd you still go to the racetrack and race cars? Like, how'd you do all so I was like, well, let me kind of put all this together and kind of share my knowledge. And then over time of just interviewing amazing agency owners all over the world, I even picked up even more. So, and then I even have an, another agency now that we started about three years ago. That's one of the fastest growing in North America right now. So, and that's not voted by my, my family. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's put some context here. Uh, the, the podcast that Jason runs the smart agency masterclass was voted the number one digital podcast on the, in the universe by his family. So let's just make yeah. sure we understand that. 
Uh, and of course, who's going to who's going to argue with that, right? I'm not. Um, uh, nope. You were a, you were you took your your first job out of college. You, you graduated from Florida State. Did I get Florida, that right? Make sure you add the state to it. That's important. We don't want Florida's to confuse people. I went to Florida. Yeah. No. No. And I know That's you're me. in Miami now. I heard no, so, but I'm a Gator. I went to the University of Florida. <laughs> we got to. <laughs> so, end, what, what were you doing show. with your thumbs just off camera there, Henry? We don't need to know. We don't he's, need to. He's know. doing the stupid chomp. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Um, I noticed that your first job out of college was as a consultant, and so what? And I'm going to guess and correct me here, Jason, that you had some fundamental skills you acquired being a consultant that you've taken. Uh, into what you're doing now. What what, what did you learn uh, with that? It was one of the major accounting accounting agencies, and I forget the name now. Arthur, yeah, Arthur Anderson, the Arthur paper Anderson. shredding company. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 this is going to surprise you. I learned absolutely nothing okay. from them, um, like nothing. The and the only thing I really the the Gator will like this. The only thing I really um, I learned really kind of two things at Florida State. <laughs> Uh, one is how to socialize. Uh, the second one was how to outsource and how to delegate to other people. So I paid people to do my programs. I paid people to like, I, I made sure I managed, I was a project manager. So I'd be like, oh yeah, you do that. You do that. You do that. And then they never knew I wasn't doing anything. And so those are the two <laughs> things I learned that I took with me later on. And then, you know, when I started the agency, like I said, it was by accident. I was working for Arthur Anderson at the time. They never had a project for us. This was in 99. And so the dot bomb was happening and all the businesses were starting to crumble because I was only there for six months. But that's when I started designing websites. And then I started designing websites for other people. And so when it came time, you know, where they were doing all these layoffs, I was like, cool, man. Like I'm designing all these websites, making money on the side. Let's, let's go ahead and jump in and do this. Are, is your background art or art direction? I was I was a cartoonist um, for many many years, um, and so I always liked and I was always creative and I was always good at putting colors and stuff together. A lot better than numbers and programming, even though oh. my degree was in programming. But <laughs> I paid people okay. to do my programs. Okay, so you spent six months at at Arthur Anderson, and then you jumped to. If I if I remember your background, you jumped right into podcasting pretty much right away. No, I didn't. I didn't get podcast. No, no. The, yeah. right. You started an agency. It was called. I, I ran Solar an agency. Velocity. Yep, ran an agency. So, uh, Solar Velocity for twelve years. Right, and that's in it was in Atlanta. Okay, yep. so were you the creative director? You you were the CEO, the founder, creative director. What was your role there, and how did you? What, what tell us about that? Experience. Well, in the in the beginning, for many years, I was everything. I was the janitor, the secretary, the phone, the sales, everything, right? Um, and then maybe after a couple of years going by, then I really kind of started transforming to the CEO. Like, um, I probably it probably took us because. My first client, I even remember this. I knew nothing about business. I mean, I was always a hustler as a kid, like selling golf balls back to golfers and, you know, all these like weird. You dive for them in the lake. Uh, and, and Yep. <laughs> yep. Wow. Exactly. Go in the marshes and then your buddy would have to be with you so he could pull you out when you get stuck <laughs> in the mud. Or like the alligator. Crazy. I mean, you're talking about in Florida or, or is this someplace yeah, oh yeah, else? Florida. There's alligators in Florida. Yes, yep. there are. 
there yeah. are. Um, they're they're good tasting. <laughs> are, are you speaking? At, are you speaking as the alligator or as the alligator? No, I'm dinner? just kidding. Yeah. I just like to beat up my Florida friends. Um, <laughs> but okay. um, we we all we all can't be blessed to be gators. I right. You know, I sympathize. I know. Okay. The, I know. Well, the reason I'm the reason I'm backing up here and getting your background is because um, what you do now it really fascinates me. Um, you know, because Henry works at an agency in Miami at Zuby, and he's worked for a number of agencies over his 27-year career. I spent 27 year, 26 years in the agency world working for some legacy shops, started off with a little shop in Milwaukee, and then, you know, went to some legacy shops and bounced around the country uh, until I lost my, my job and then, you know, decided I, I'm, I was too old, wasn't going to get anywhere. And I didn't have that hustle gene that you have, Jason. Uh, so I went into teaching and writing, and that's what I love to do. And, you know, Henry and I love to talk about the nitty gritty, the nuts and bolts of this process called writing a brief and putting the brief together. And that's, and that is an important role in the agency world. You're a few high, notches higher up in that, what we call the C-suite. Um, if I were an agency owner today, and it's not in my it's not, it's neither in my genes or it's in my ambitions, but if I were an agency owner today and I came to you to be part of your training and I said to you, I'm doing 80, 90, hundred hours a week, hours of work a week, because I'm doing everything. What are some of the first things that you would ask me and have me do no. to do a better job of being a, a less of an owner and more of a CEO? Yeah, when when someone's working all the time and it's not their choice to work all the time, like if you want to work all the time and it's your choice, perfect, right? Like you're where you're supposed to be. But most people don't want to work 80 hours and miss kids events and be able to do, you know, other stuff outside of work. But there's certain people that want to do that. So but if you're more of the majority, I would say we need to kind of get some clarity, right? Like if you go back to my origin story, many people's origin story, they were accidental. So when you're accidental, what are you doing? You're reacting to what's coming to you and you're reacting to the market rather than having a plan or defined vision of where you need to go. It's kind of like I'm in a boat from Miami to London, right? And I don't tell my team where we're actually going. But after about 10 hours, I get pretty sleepy. I want to go to sleep. And I say, hey, wake me up if the boat changes course, which... <laughs> And waking you up every every second. And then if I just told them where we're going, now they can make better decisions and they could actually make decisions for the company, which makes the owner gets them out of being like the toll booth owner, right? Like everything, like you have 30 lanes, but everyone's just one lane is open. And that's because they have to go through you. I, I wonder how much of that difficulty transitioning, because I I've seen it. I've I've worked in small agencies and I've worked in larger agencies. And it, to me, it's a question of scalability, right? Um, you know, can you take what you have with 20 people and scale it up to 200 people? And a lot of times th the biggest obstacle to that is not the circumstances, but the personality of the, of the, of the founder or the principal. Um, I've, I've, you know, I left, one agency i was asked to leave let's let's put it that way and afterwards i was having drinks with some of my former colleagues 
And uh, I, I was lamenting the fact that I was trying to help the owner grow the agency and scale it up and that he kind of resisted me at every step and wanted to micromanage everything. And this colleague of mine said, you don't get it, do you? For him, it's about control. He'd rather control a smaller, less profitable agency that makes him less money than seed control and have a bigger, more successful agency that he doesn't Mm -hmm. completely control. So there's sometimes, I mean, it's just a personality thing. There's no getting around it. And, and I think, I I guess the only solution would be for the person to become really introspective about how much their desire is to grow a big profitable business that eventually they could retire from versus how much is I just want to micromanage and, and kind of control my own domain. Well, it all comes down to vision, right? Like that owner had a vision of, Hey, I only want this. But then the other part is what type of employees do we want? What, what kind of core values do they need to have? Like, what do they need to believe in? Because I always tell people, and this is the big mistake I made in the very beginning. I thought I had to hire my twin because if there was two of me, man, we can get double. If there's two of me, we're just talking about great ideas and no one's executing. Right. But if I can get people that believe in the vision, like for example, a couple of years ago, I had my team for this team, for the agency mastery 360. I said, we're going to write an article or um, we're going to create a blog post of the top 20 conferences agency owners need to go to. So they came back with 20, they wrote it really great article, but they had like three people in there that I did. I just hated. I was like, no, take those three people out. They're assholes. Right. And they go, well, and they know the vision. And that I told you guys for this business is to create a resource. I wish I had. And they go, well, is it a good um, conference for agencies or you just don't like them? I said, I don't like them. And then I'm like, okay. You can list, keep them in there, right? Because the vision will dictate where you go. And the vision, so some people have a vision to create a big agency that they can have the option to sell. Some people want to create an incubator agency where they can use the agency to build other technology and other businesses, right? That's kind of what like Gary Vaynerchuk does at VaynerMedia. Um, you can create other agencies, you know, that, you know, are a lifestyle business, which it sounded like, that was the type of agency that you worked with at one time, right? So there's no right or wrong answer. It's just the the right one for the owner and then the right one for the employees. And they just all need to align. That's why having a vision of where you're going and who you want on the boat is so important. So like if you're working all those amount of hours, we need to figure out where are we going? Because and like what types of clients we want. Do we want really big clients? Do we want small clients? Do we want a lot of clients? Right? Like that will dictate everything because once we have clarity, now we can start moving up the ladder and talking about how do we position the agency so we don't look like every me too agency out there. We can look at look like a new one or what's the right offering so that I can win deals faster and I don't have to write these long briefs or whatever it is, right? Like, you know, it's all starts with clarity, figuring out where do we need to go? Who do we need? And then, you know, we can start executing on it because if you're just being reactionary, you're kind of screwed. <laughs> is, is, is this vision you're talking about something that you work on when you bring your, when people come to come to you for your, for your, uh, for, I guess, I don't want to call it a workshop or seminars or training. 
or is yeah, this so, something that they so have when they, already or when they come to, to join our our mastermind um we make them do a couple different exercises and, and this was an exercise that i learned I, I literally at the time this was maybe eight years or maybe six years into owning the first agency we were about two million in revenue i hated it i literally wanted to quit and at the time i literally started taking a job interview because i was literally going to shut it down i was just that miserable and i think a lot of people have gotten to that point and they asked me two questions on this interview. And I kind of went back. I was like, hmm, I could actually do this at the agency. And so one of the exercises I created from that is like, if you take a sheet of paper out, put it on your desk, put your fist, put it on the sheet of paper and draw a circle around it. Then spend about 30 minutes drawing or um, writing out all the stuff you hate doing and you never want to ever do in the agency ever again outside that circle. And so you spend about 30 minutes doing that. Like, is it project management? Is it account management, sales, proposals, whatever it is, right? And then you spend the next 30 minutes writing everything that you love doing it. So then that will give you a clear direction of what do I want? Where do we need to go? Who do I need to hire? What do I need to say no to? Um, and so it's just a real easy exercise everybody can do in order to get that clarity. Are, are are the people who come to you for advice, they're kind of, what you're saying that if I'm understanding you correctly, they're self-selecting. These are people who know that, that something's wrong and they need some more, they need this uh, assistance in finding that clarity. Right. I only work with people that know there's a problem and they want to make a change. Like I'm never trying to, I mean, we see, like, we see it all the, like, I hardly get on social anymore, like browsing, like I used to, because I see so many bad ads like that are trying to convince or trick me like I can book you 80 calls a day or I give you money or like I'm like or here's how to create a hundred million dollar agency and I literally want to comment but I people find out later I'm like yeah start with a 10 or a hundred million dollar agency <laughs> you know it's just like craziness I, I was I was as I was saying before we hit the record button I was watching one of the videos on your website and by the way I I encourage all everyone watching whether you run an agency or not just just to go on to jason's website it's, it's really well done and i guess you used to do this for a living so you know what know what you're doing when you're putting it together but the video is really good you talk about the importance of creating systems mm -hmm. and there were there were five there were five points that you identified that you need to ask you meaning agency owner aspiring ceo could you talk for a moment about what, what do you mean when you say system? And if yeah. you don't mind sharing those, those, you know, one or two of those five points that you think are really critical. Yeah. So I look at scaling an agency is really in eight systems. I've already kind of talked about one it's around clarity, right? We have to have clarity of where we're going. The next one is positioning. We need to know how to position our agency in a way where we don't look like everybody else. Right? Whoa, whoa. Isn't that remarkable? That sounds exactly like what you're supposed to do with a product. Exactly. Sorry to interrupt. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and so, and when you position, the way you can position yourself to look, not look like everybody else is one, you got to pick who's your audience, like, and really narrow down into it. And then it's all about asking the right questions and starting off. Like if you go to jasonswank.com slash about, if you look at that homepage or um, on the about page, I don't talk anything about me until the very bottom. Right, I'm asking questions. 
-hmm. Now, I, I use this, like a, think of this as an example when we would go to conferences and you'd have that creepy person come up to you, probably went to Florida. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> He's not laughing. He's not laughing. Um, maybe he went to Florida State. And he all he does is talk about himself all the time. Hey, I ran an agency. I sold an agency. I can help you. You're like, get the hell away from me. But if I come up to you at the conference and says, Hey guys, I'm Jason. Why'd you come to the conference? Tell me a little bit more about your business. I'm asking questions. It changes that perspective of asking questions to put the attention on them, not you. What the biggest thing that agencies do wrong when they position themselves is they constantly talk about their awards, their people, their process, all that kind of stuff, which no one cares, right? But if you can ask questions like, do you want to generate more leads for your real estate business? Or if you're targeting nonprofits and you want to help get more members, donors, and volunteers, we can help you. And we, oh, by the way, we do this by designing websites, right? So there's a different way to position. So then once you have the positioning, now you can figure out the right offering. And that's kind of system three, where you're thinking about what do I need to charge? And most people kind of lead with their huge retainer, right? Like I used to do this a long time ago. I like, um, I remember uh, Lotus Cars, they came to us and they were like, oh, we want you to kind of pitch us to be an agency of record and all this kind of stuff. And, and so people were doing this huge, all this, like responding to the RFPs, which I always treat RFPs as request for punishment, real effing problem, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? So we always try to avoid them or unless we could write them. And so it's all about figuring out what's the right offer. And so when these big companies would come to us, we would actually change the conversation and we'd position ourselves in a different way where we'd say, hey, I know you want a proposal on this, but I don't think you have enough information in order to we're like, we don't have enough information from you. And I don't know if you have the right plan in order to execute on this. So what we'd like to do is spend two hours with you. It's a paid uh, engagement. We charge a minimal fee. I say something like, here's the three possible outcomes from this blueprint that we're going to put together with you. And that's the key with you. I'd be like, you'll love the plan. You'll go execute it yourself. If that's the case, I wish you luck. Number two, which is the most common, you'll love the plan. You'll want our help. Number three, if you hate the plan, I'll give your money back. So there's nothing for you to mm. lose. Mm. So what I'm doing is I'm getting them to pay me a small amount, which now makes them 20 times more likely to pay me again. Right. And now I'm starting to build trust and it's an easier yes, rather than saying yes to a million dollar project. And then I can kind of step them up. And then at the end of the day, I can charge them a lot bigger retainer based on value rather than time and materials because I've already built trust with them. Does it make sense? Yeah, it does. It's really fascinating to me because I hear this all the time when I'm scrolling through LinkedIn, how poorly ad agencies and advertising professionals promote themselves. Yep. And you're, you're providing, if not the solution, some really key ingredients on how to do this. And, and that to me is remarkable because it's, it's a wide open wide open niche that you've started to fill um how, how many how many people have you because another thing that i noticed on your on your website you said one of the things i try not to do is 
I'm not, and I'm going to phrase this poorly because I'm paraphrasing. Just, you're not trying to drum up business. You're trying to make yourself the magnet for business. That people come to you rather than you drumming drumming up the business themselves. Well, I think wow. you need to have, yeah, you need to have three channels. One, one is an inbound channel, like having it where they're coming to you. Right. But I look, and this is part of one of the systems, like if we skipped ahead to like prospecting after offering, right? Like hmm. you need to have three channels. It's kind of like a three-legged stool. We need to have an inbound channel. We have to have an outbound system or a channel. And I also look at it as strategic partnership channel. So if one goes down, you still at least can balance on the stool um, rather than just be dependent on one. And most agencies are just dependent on referrals, which just isn't yeah. scalable. Well, I already know that I'm going to go back and rewrite my about page. <laughs> yes, everybody should. Yeah, yeah. It's too much about me and not about what, what you need that I can help you with. Yeah. It, it, and that's, the, it, that's it, the only reason we invited you on the show here, Jason. So you could tell me how I could free advice. There yeah. you go. That's, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's also a great reason to do a podcast because the, the amount of people that you can have access to, like, you know, I had Seth Godin on the show, I had Gary on the show, like when, when I first reached out to them, they had no clue who we were, but they're like, I want to highlight you. I want to highlight you for your audience because you have this book coming or whatever it is. And then, yeah, you can get great advice and you learn tons. Yeah. You know, since I've been doing this podcast with Henry, you know, I do my own training around the creative brief. I've written a couple of books on the brief, but talking with Henry every week for the last over two years about this, I've learned a ton from him. He's a strategist. He writes briefs for a living. I'm the guy who gets the briefs or used to when I was an active creative. And, you know, all I could do is bitch and moan. It's like, oh, that's a terrible brief. But I didn't have the right questions. I didn't have the, I didn't know what to ask. How do That's we right. make this better? So the, the act of doing this podcast has been tr tremendous because now when I go out and do trainings, I'm quoting Henry all the time. Mm -hmm. Henry should get a cut, I suppose. Let's, let's not talk about that, Henry. Um, Henry, put, send him the contract after. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, right, exactly. I say, I say I do it for love of the game. If I can yeah. help, if I can help a Howard a little bit and his workshops and because I truly believe in what he's doing and you know, I, that, that's the story of how I met Howard. I got his first book. I was, I was a self-taught strategist. So I was always looking for materials that to help me, to help me. And I got his book and then I brought it to my boss and I said, I'd like to bring this guy to, to do a workshop here at the agency. And she's like, yeah, let's do it. And he came and that's how we became friends. Yep. And it's, it's been, I, I don't know, something like 10 or 12 years now. Yeah, about 10. Well, that's that's the key is, and that's where agencies kind of fall down a lot is they, they just want to do something to get something. But the agencies that give, 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 and then they have like an ass, it's kind of like Gary's book, I think, what jab, jab, right hook or something like that, right? Like those are the ones that benefit because they're trying to help out without asking, like people don't join our, our mastery or our mastermind until maybe two or three years of listening to the podcast. Like we gave them so much and we've changed their agency just from listening to the show or the free content we put out. They're like, Oh, what, what do we get when we engage with this community? Right? Like, so, and even if they never do engage with us, we're perfectly fine. Right. It just goes back yeah. to like, I want to create a resource. You know, we wish we had, 
And that's, that's the whole premise, right? Like, and everyone can get, like everyone on my team gets on board with that. So there's no pressure. Like even when you chat with the agency scale specialist, AKA salesperson, right? They're giving the whole time. And they're not always just trying to sell the thing that they want to sell. They'll position the thing that the person actually needs. Yeah. And they'll actually say no, if it's something that like we can't help. Right. Like, and that's the different mentality for a lot of agencies. It's kind of, it's an ancient concept of, you know, you, you give to receive the more you put out there, the more yep. it comes back to you. Um, and I've been asking a lot of questions about what you're doing because I'm starting to see, well, actually I saw this before we even started the conversation. Um, I started to see this initially when we, when I talked to you on your, on your show, which is that, the premise of your vision, that's helping the owners create their vision so that they can make their agencies work smarter and better um, with this process and these systems you're talking about are identical to how you sell a product, you know, positioning, having a vision, but they're also fundamental to what we, what Henry and I talk about all the time about writing a creative brief. You, you can't write a creative brief without having a, a, a clear vision of what your product is and able and, and an ability to summarize that in a phrase or a sentence. So we're going from what Henry and I do and talk about is like, this is at the granular level. And what you're talking about is at a much larger um, enterprise level to allow us to do the granular stuff. And mm -hmm. to me, that's, it's confirmation that it's all part and parcel of what we're doing just at different levels, but we learn from each other about how to do it well, what works for you and telling and sharing with your uh, your CEO aspirants is what's gonna work best for a, a young aspiring creative brief writer. It may not seem like that on the surface, but it really is. Mm -hmm. It is. Yeah, I mean, it's, the stuff is, people like to overcomplicate everything. And if you just kind of peel back the layers and just make things simple, I mean, you know, I played tennis in college. And so I remember playing this individual and they were far um, under my level, but they were beating me. And I remember mm. looking at the coach because I was probably a little tennis brat, like throwing the racket around and, <laughs> and jumping on the fence like an idiot. And he was like, just go back to the basics. You're overthinking. And I was like, oh, just keep my eye on the ball, put the racket back and hit it. And then I wound up winning. So it's the same thing in business. Like we overcomplicate things, but I certainly understand because like, I know how we can overcome, like I was chatting with some of our members the other day and they were like, you know, we, they have drinking games. Like when I say you should have a podcast or you should raise your pricing. Right. Like, and um, I tell people that like, cause it's so easy to do, but getting that mentality to make that commitment in order to make that switch and change up their kind of their thinking a lot of times is a lot harder. And they were kind of beating me there like, you need to show more empathy on that. And I'm originally a New Yorker. So empathy doesn't really happen in New York. It's kind of like <laughs> revive or die. Um, <laughs> and so I was like, I certainly understand that. So like, I understand like when I say, just go back to the basics or we're overcomplicating. I understand like it's hard to do that when we're so ingrained and we have all these big decisions. And like some of these decisions are, the, the life or the death of the agency in, in the owner's eyes when it, necessarily it's not, it's just like, we're overcomplicating everything. But like, if, if you guys take away anything, just make things simple. You know, one of the mm. phrases I always kind of look at is 
you know, this is coming from an ADD person or a, what is it? ADHD. See, I can't even say that, right? Yeah. So, right. Like focus. If you think of like this acronym or whatever it is, like finish one commitment until success. So if you look at the biggest item, I think Stephen Covey said this, like if you have, let's say you have two glasses and if, if this is just audio, then you can't, I'll give you the visual. Like, let's say no, you have this, two is, glasses this is, this is video. Okay. Two glasses, the same size. And I, uh, I wish I had a baseball. Let's say I have a baseball and I put the big baseball in and then I try, try, try to put some pebbles in and then put sand. Well, it's not going to fit in the, the glass. Right. But if I, you know, well, I think I said that backwards. Like if I put all the little stuff in first and then put the baseball, it's going to fit like this. Right. But right. if I put the baseball in first, and then the, the smaller items and after everything's going to fit perfect, meaning do the biggest impact items first. All right. So that's what I, you know, finish one commitment till success means rather than try to do. Well, everything. it's, it's, it's also, I think a, a pot or a powerful argument against multitasking. It's like, do one thing that you can do and do it well. Yeah. And then I think I came across a line in one of somewhere on your website, you were quoting a businesswoman who gave you some advice you never forgot, which was uh, us breaking an old habit is harder than forming a new habit. I think that's, mm -hmm. if I paraphrase that, I mean, I know yeah. what you have to do to form a new habit. You've got to do something over again. I think it was 30 days. If you do it every day for 30 days, you'll build a habit, but breaking an old habit, that's hard. It you know, is. it's like quit, quitting smoking, quitting drinking, quitting anything. It's, it's, that's a kind of a habit you want to stop, but there's also habits that we fall into when we are um, managing, managing a business or, you know, writing a brief. Um, you know, I think one of those habits and, and I think you kind of like, we, we, I think we've danced around it, but it sounds like for a lot of these agency owners and CEOs um, is the habit that needs to be broken is not saying no. Um, you, you know, in a lot of cases, you know, you talked about RFPs, you talked about client requests that where they're asking for something, but it's not altogether clear that it makes any sense why they're asking for what they're asking. And so I think that it's, it's really um, uh, part of this is being selective in what you do and learning how to say no. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the old saying is, is like, if you, if you say yes to everything, you're saying no to the things you should be actually doing. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, like, for example, like what you, you're probably talking about scope creep, right? Like in the agency, that's always huge. The client always asks for stuff outside of scope. Right. Yeah. And what do agencies do? They want to keep the client happy. And then they kind of start, you know, um, really get mad at the client, but the client doesn't, they're like ignorant to the process. Like when I was building my house in Colorado, um, I was ignorant to the building the house process. I was like, Oh, I, can we do this after you built the, you know, like, can we make the room bigger after you already built the house? Right? Like, uh, yeah, we could, but it's going to change the scope. And one of the best ways, just a little hint to get rid of scope creep almost altogether is remember this, do $0 change orders. So your clients will come to you for some requests. Some of them are small, some are big. All the small ones do a $0 change order and make your clients sign it. And you do that three or four times. That's pretty smart, right? 
then when they come to you with the big item, you go, man, you know, that's a pretty big item. We certainly can do this. It's going to push down the timeline. We've already given you like four or five. You don't tell them that they were small. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. it's training. Like I always like to tell people, you're either like just the on. just the act of having to sign off on something that says zero dollars is is planting the seed in their head that the next one might not be zero dollars. Exactly. And 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 they're going to appreciate that you're doing it for zero dollars, but it's also perhaps going to like you know it's there's not going to be a shock that they say yeah that one's going to cost you five grand (laughs) yep or whatever the amount or 20 grand that's kind of forming a new habit and breaking an old habit at the same time which i like Mm -hmm. which is pretty cool yeah this is this is uh this is this is we don't really talk about this kind of stuff jason and i think it's relevant to um a kind of a bigger picture thing that we need to be remind ourselves that um, the luxury that we have to write a, a great brief for a project that we want to do for our clients means that we have to be, we meaning the agency itself has to know where are we going and how are we going to maintain this relationship? You know, Henry works with a lot of big national, international brands, but he also has some local, you know, and regional projects and the agencies I work for had the same, you know, I, I work for the agency in, in L.A., that uh, did all the work for Lexus. They were Team One was created from scratch to service nothing but Lexus. And one of the big problems that we faced, and it wasn't my problem, but I heard about it all the time, was if I'm going to come into your agency, speaking now as a potential outside new client, if I'm going to come into your agency, how do I know that you know I'm just going to get shunted to the side because you're focusing on on Lexus? Am I going to get your best people? Or am I going to be the, or, or do a guy, do I get always the juniors, the junior creatives, the junior account folks, the junior planners? How do I know? How do I know? How do I know? So, um, whether, and we have a lot of folks who are freelancers who watch our show. And we have, and I'm guessing we have some agency folks too, but we have teachers. If you were to, if I were to ask you then, Jason, what kind of advice would you give to someone who isn't an owner yet, a freelancer maybe, but maybe aspires to, oh, Maybe I should have my own agency who are, are, are like, you're working with folks kind of up here who want to go even higher. Now we're talking to some folks who were down here who are thinking about this. What advice would you get? Well, you gotta, I mean, we've talked about most of it um, now of really kind of the clarity the positioning. But one thing I didn't talk about is kind of the personal branding of yourself as well as the team, rather than I rather you do more marketing for yourself and your team than the actual brand, because these people are associated with the brand, right? Because you you mentioned something really important about like, well, like there was always a joke at Arthur Anderson or the big five consulting firms, like the partner would sell the deal and the school bus would drop off the kids that have no idea what's going on. And, and right, that that still happens a lot. But if you can start branding them and they start hearing like they should be doing podcast interviews and creating podcasts you should be creating content all that kind of stuff if they start to get to know them when they meet they're already sold and it's that much easier um, but if you're a freelancer and you're thinking about hey i want to take this up a notch because there's nothing wrong with freelancing and you can make a great living in a lifestyle business for you 
But the thing is, is when you're freelancing, everything's depending on you, sales, right. marketing, delivery, all that kind of stuff, which at first is a really amazing opportunity, but you get into business to create freedom. And then you have no freedom anymore because now the more clients you bring on, the more work you have, the more stress. So then you start thinking about, well, what? Are, that's when I would say, go back to that exercise of putting your fist on a sheet of paper mm -hmm. and figuring out, and then figuring out who is the right people that you need to hire. Is it a project manager? Like if you're really good at sales, you should hire a project manager. If you're really good at attention to detail, which I am not, right? You know, you should hire, you know, um, a PM, right? Like, it's like hire your opposite. You're right. either hiring someone right. bringing sales or you're hiring someone to manage accounts. And then you can start building the layers on that, but it's just a good base. And just think about this. Um, if you're not uncomfortable now, you're going to be uncomfortable later on when your business is not growing and it's going down. So I'd rather be uncomfortable now so then I can be comfortable later on. Because I can tell you, um, when you'll go through these different stages too, I remember doing this. Freelancer, you're like, oh, this is nice. And then you start hiring people, it gets more complex. And then I, I see agency owners and I've done this myself where I'll be like, I just want to go back to the fun stage. And when you say that to yourself, it's an indicator that you need the right systems in place. Yeah. Right. Of kind of, and I've already touched on some of them. If you go to, you know, the um, agency mastery 360.com and click on playbook, you'll see the other eight systems. You can look at those, but that's the telltale sign that you need systems. It's kind of like the telltale sign when you say I'm overwhelmed. Well, when you're overwhelmed, you're giving too much priority, too many things. You need to make a list and then pick the highest one, right? Going back to that analogy with the baseball and the cup first, right? So um, just remember that as a freelancer, I see so many people kind of peel back and go backwards, which is perfectly fine if that's for you, but the business is going to be totally dependent on you and you'll have the, the burden is all on you rather than you creating an asset that produces wealth, freedom, and predictability for you later on. What's next for Jason Swank? Uh, just continue to build the best community for the agency owners that we're going after, right? Like, like I was telling you guys, we, we don't go after everybody. We only go after people that believe in what we believe in that, you know, want to be resourceful, want to grow, want to have fun, you know, want to, you know, help out others. Like those are the types of people that we go after. So it's just keep doing content, you know, try to put out the best free, you know, free and paid content out there. Um, that's really it. Jason Swink, the host of the number one digital podcast, according to his family, a smart agency masterclass. Thank you for being with Henry and me on the, on the brief brothers. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Good stuff, Henry. Good stuff, Howard. He's Henry Gomez. And he's Howard Ibach. And together we're the brief brothers till next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.